RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Welcome to episode 31 of the podcast. Uh, Today uh, we're in for a real treat because I'm interviewing not one but two awesome strength coaches. I'm joined by Matt Jennings and Jake Lehrman of Xavier University. Uh, we talk about tons of stuff, but the reason I want to talk to them, uh, they, they work heavily with basketball at the uni, and uh, I wanted to figure out how they deal with working with such long-limbed athletes and how they get them to perform at such a high level, uh, something that I think uh, we can learn from in rugby with some of our second rows and maybe our taller back rows. Uh, it's packed full of information, um, so I'm sure you'll get tons out of it, especially if you're a second row. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi guys, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast, uh, great to have you on. Uh, why don't we start um, by just taking a little bit of time to introduce um, yourselves, uh, you might want to do each other, I'm not sure, but um, just ah. tell us your background and um, and what kind of teams and sports you work with. Hi guys, my name is Matt Jennings and this is my assistant Jake Lehrman, so I'll introduce myself and then let Jake talk for a second. So once again, my name is Matt Jennings, I'm the head strength coach at Xavier University, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been in this position for nine years now. I've been a collegiate strength coach for uh, going on 20 years. Uh, I started off as a graduate assistant at the University of Tennessee. Uh, went to school at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I played American football there, uh, as did Coach Lehrman. He played American football as well at Ashland University. But we both have that background as being players, and I think that's important for college strength coaches or any strength coach to have some sort of background in your know, competition. Uh, once again, played football in college, was a graduate assistant at Tennessee. I worked with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in the National Football League. Uh, I've worked at Wake Forest University. I've worked at the University of South Carolina. I've worked at High Point University, and now I've been here at Xavier for nine years. So once again, 20-plus years in the profession, a uh, wide variety of college, professional, wide variety of sports. Uh, at Xavier right now, I take care of our men's basketball program. Uh, but in the, the career that I've had, I've worked with uh, numerous other sports, but, you know, Unfortunately, I have not worked with a rugby program, which I know is what this podcast is generalized for. Uh, but once again, we're, we're willing to, to talk shop and talk anatomy and physiology and, and talk you know movement patterns, et cetera, with any kind of athletes. And I'm glad that we can apply that with our basketball training and your rugby training. So let me turn this over to Jake and let him talk about himself. So like Coach said, I graduated in 2012, started my coaching career in 2013 at a performance facility called Ignition APG, located in Cincinnati. Um, from there... You know, in the private sector, I had, you know, many opportunities to train with different athletes in different sports. Um, that took me overseas to China to work with their junior men's and women's national basketball team. Um, I was over there for six months, came back, did a preseason training camp with a women's professional team over there. Um, once I was done with that, came back to Ignition, started working with NFL combine athletes, major league uh, baseball players in the offseason, high school athletes, college athletes, youth athletes. Um, and then I started here at Xavier University uh, last summer. And my teams are women's volleyball, women's soccer, women's basketball, and then baseball. So, um, you know, so 
I started coaching, you know, in 2013, but I feel like, you know, at this age, I've been able to get around to a lot of different athletes and a lot of different teams. So, um, and that those are my teams now. Yeah, that's great. And obviously, a lot of experience with different sports, which we'll we'll try and um, sort of pull from your your sort of knowledge there. But what I really want to touch on is is your experience with basketball players. Obviously, the kind of phenotype of of basketball players being the taller athletes, because uh, I think in in rugby uh, we tend to make exceptions for some of our taller athletes. Maybe our second sure. rows, we kind of uh, say, oh, you know, they're going to struggle with squatting and things like that, and and we kind of don't push the sort of envelope um, with the physicality. Um, but then looking at, at basketball and other sports with sort of longer limbed uh, athletes, you see they're you know they're really athletic, they're really powerful, they're really explosive. Um, so just want to kind of tap in into into how you guys do that with your with your taller guys and maybe some of the issues that you have or, or maybe that affect exercise selection and things like that. Sure. Yeah, we do recognize that, you know, especially with my men's program and Jake's women's program, they are, we are dealing with athletes that are unique in size and, and such that. You know, their humerus length is long, their femur length is long. So we're dealing with, you know, athletes with wingspans, with heights, et cetera, uh, that is a challenge in the weight room. So one thing that to keep things in simple terms is one thing, you know, that I follow in a, in a program. I've done this for years. Uh, I've been a big proponent and a big fan of Dan John. I don't know if you know who Coach John is. Yeah. Um, you know, his philosophy of push, pull, hinge, squat, carry has really, you know, held true for decades and it still holds true for our programming here mine especially once again i want to reiterate or, or you know emphasize that my program and jake's program is completely different you know it's very similar i'm not a head strength coach that dictates to my assistants you know their programming i want him to be a professional him to be an expert i want him to program for his athletes so there's some different things that we do but we do consult on uh, on our training and our programming but once again i don't have my thumbprint on his training um i ask for his opinion because once again he's a younger guy he's a lot smarter than i am he has more expertise in certain things we'll talk about that here in a second uh, but once again, like simple format, push, pull, hinge, squat, carry uh, to talk about lower body movements. Um, you know, the, the hinge and the squat, that movement pattern is very important for us. Uh, once again, we're going to try to accommodate those larger athletes and we're going to do things uh, specifically. And Jake taught this to me a couple of years ago. Jake is a jujitsu practitioner. And one thing that I learned from him is that let's reinvent the wheel, so to speak, with how we train our taller athletes. Let's not start from the top down. Let's start from the bottom up. So in that sense, we're starting all of our athletes on the floor before we start on the ground. And I'll let Jake expand on that concept because we've done uh, jujitsu warm-ups, especially like our summer programming. If you take a look real quick at our summer program, which is a 13-week summer program, we started every Monday, Wednesday, Friday training session with our basketball guys with a 30-minute jujitsu-style warm-up. And we would have our tumbling mats out in the gym. Uh, Jake and Jake's you know, instructor, uh, Randall Burton from uh, Gracie Cincinnati, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, would come down and take our guys through movement patterns and warm-ups. Uh, there was never any you know, hand-to-hand combat or any kind of you know, you know, tap-outs or anything like that, but our guys would just learn how to flow and learn how to move, and it was all from the ground up. So that's one approach that we take and one approach that I take that I've learned from Jake. I want Jake to expand on that a little bit because I think that's a concept uh, that I learned being an older guy, you know, old dog, new tricks, is that you can start things differently and not have to start from the top down. You start from the bottom up. So, Jake, have at it. Yeah, so – you know, as we started warming up, you know, at jiu-jitsu when I started there, you know, I thought things were pretty difficult for me. Um, and I saw the benefit, you know, you know, led to increase in range of motion, the squat pattern, and all these different uh, and movements. Jake's six foot four, by the way, too. So Okay. <laughs> yeah, so things were difficult for me to start off. Um, and, you know, as Coach Jennings and I kept talking shop and how we can 
how we can change the warm up and improve things. Um, you know, we started talking about trying to implement some jujitsu movements, um, and then that led to Randall coming down, and really it was just us talking shop um, and getting these guys out of their comfort zone. So, you know, they'll do everything they can to stay in their world, which is, you know, six, eight, and above. You know, um, I've heard people say that you know this world isn't really meant for for these type of athletes. Sure. So getting them getting them on their knees or on their butt and to the ground. Um, can be foreign for them majority of the day. So, you know, they'll do everything they can to avoid that. And then to get them in there and realize that, you know, they can get some comfortability, you know, starting from the ground and getting up without their hands. Um, you know, we look at week one to week six, these guys look like newborn deers on the ground, but then you get a basketball in their hand on the court and they look like thoroughbreds. So there's that kind of disconnect that they have. So, you know, starting them every single day for 30 minutes you know, over six weeks, you see this dramatic difference. And to be honest, like I was shocked. So, you know, I'm talking to my instructor, my jujitsu instructor, like these guys actually look like they know what they're doing. You know, we're doing simple lunge variations that, you know, these guys have these preconceived notions like, oh, there's no way I can do that with my ankles or, you know, with my knees, you know, three weeks later, you start to see them get a little bit more fluidity to it. And then, you know, by week six, you know, it's no issue for these guys. So then you start expanding their movement library, and now, you know, you start opening them up to the ideas. Like, okay, I can squat low. You know, when I get from my when my butt's on the ground to go standing up, I got to get to a, a squat stance or a lunge. So now that movement becomes familiar. So then it's easier to translate once we start, you know, getting them with barbells, kettlebells, dumbbells, um, and get them in those squat patterns. So I think that's where the the big area is just improving their movement library to. To let their bodies know that this is an okay movement, I just gotta I gotta learn it because I never do it. All right. Yeah. So that was that was beneficial for us. You know, we we the step before the movement, the fluidity was our functional movement screens with our guys. Uh, we have a uh, we we have the opportunity and the blessing here at Cincinnati or in Xavier and Cincinnati to train with a lot of really good experts in town. Um, we can tap into the professional market with the Bengals and the Reds and our uh, our uh, Major League Soccer program, FC Cincinnati. There's a lot of great uh, knowledge and minds in town. So there's an excess fizz guy in town named Eric Oliver who works at Beyond Exercise. We use him for our functional movement screens. Uh, another gentleman named DJ Whittakin at Iron, uh, Queen City Kettlebell. Uh, very bright mind on movement patterns. And I can contract with those guys, have them come in, put their hands on our athletes and help us do things that we're not experts at. And the movement patterns that we realized was is that our taller guys especially have hip and ankle issues. And we needed to correct that. And a lot of times with our guys, with basketball guys with knee issues, is that think about what's above the problem and below the problem. So if you have a knee issue, think about your hip and think about your ankle. We've got to get those joints moving. we got to get them greased up and get them fluid. And that's where the jiu-jitsu came in place. So now we've done our functional movement screen. We've, we've realized we need to work on this. We've done our you know, jiu-jitsu movement pattern, so to speak, to get our guys fluid. And now we're going to parlay that into you know, better movement in the weight room when we talk about the meat and potatoes of our training. When we're talking about those squat patterns or those hinge patterns, we're going to be more fluid in the in the rack or whatever whatever implement we may use for a squat pattern. It could be a barbell, you know, front squat, back squat. It could be a safety bar squat. It could be a kettlebell goblet squat. It could be a leg press. It could be a pitch shark, you know, belt squat. Um, there's different modalities and different patterns, but the point is is that we want to do uh, the jujitsu, the functional movement screen, etc., to make sure that we're you know taking steps and building a foundation, small steps, small steps, build building blocks, building blocks. And now we get to the weight room with the actual meat potatoes of the workout, and we're doing things the way it should be done. 
And bottom line, you know, we always, you know, want to propon- be a proponent of the health, safety, wellness of the student athlete. Uh, that's one thing that we take a lot of pride in. And so we're taking care of those bodies and take care of those athletes with those movement patterns and make sure we're doing it, first of all, safely, first of all, soundly. Orthopedically safe, physiologically sound is always important. I learned that a long time ago. Orthopedically sound, physiologically safe, et cetera. And we want to make sure we're doing things right. Yeah, definitely. And it, it sounds like you're, you're going about it the right way. You're, you're doing the functional movement screen to – to flag up any issues and then you're you know prescribing the you know as you've used the jiu-jitsu stuff uh to impact that and then obviously you get them to a good level of movement what um when it comes to loading in the gym have you found through doing this work they can just do the, the normal exercises like perhaps your shorter limbed players can or have you had to modify exercises at all with the longer limbed guys we've modified and, and jake can expand on this a little bit i'll let him talk about our modifications how um once again, we have curious minds. I think that's one thing that's a blessing for what we do is that um, in order to stay young and stay relevant in the field, you have to be curious. You have to ask a lot of questions. And I think we both have very curious minds. Um, there's a lot of really good people out there. A um, couple names that I'll drop here real quick. Uh, Stanford basketball strength coach, um, Corey, Corey Schlesinger, a uh, really bright mind, puts a really good lot of content, a lot of really good content on Instagram. Um, he documents a ton of work that his guys do. Um, Ryan Horn at Wake Forest, another gentleman that uh, is really expanding you know, what we're doing and talking about longer limb guys, a couple guys you can look at on their Instagram feeds and how, uh, how, how the movement they do with their tall guys is really, you know, it's outstanding, it really is. We take a lot of inspiration from those guys as well. Um, let's talk about how we, you know, the fundamental, um, you know, basis of what we do from the ground up. You know, we start with the foot. Um, Jake can talk about this a little bit with the foot collective, you know, a group that we follow, some things that we do that they prescribe. Um, we've done some things along the lines like gymnastic bodies, uh, like I say foot collective, but um, elevated heel squats. And one thing that we've done, and, and I say Jake will take over here to talk about our elevated heel squats. So we'll talk about the basis of starting with an elevation, working ourselves down to the ground, and then working other patterns. So go for it, Jake. So, like you said, the foot collective stuff is really just how we're addressing the tissues um, in the foot ankle, calf, soleus, and things like that. So we'll start every session addressing those, with whether it be a lacrosse ball or a trigger point, um, uh, the trigger point tool for the for the feet, um, and just loosen up that tissue, you know, that's caused from tight shoes, ankle braces, things like that, um, just to make that, that tissue readily available for change. Um, and then from there, you know, we'll go into the modifications, like he said, the incline heel boards. Um, I think that's the most beneficial tool just to build their confidence. Um, you know, as soon as you raise their heels up a little bit and you ask them to go deeper, it's, it's a lot more comfortable. Um, and they don't feel, you know, pressure or discomfort that they normally would, um, if they were doing a barefoot squat. Um, so right there, you're just building confidence and comfort in that, in that big range of motion. Um, and then from there you can start adding, you know, our med balls, kettlebells, um, different tools, um, to get the adaptations we need. So, you know, like I said, it could be a safety bar, barbell, um, any of those. So right there, as you build up that confidence, then you can start, um, you know, lowering that incline a little bit more. Um, or the other route is going to a single leg movement. So, you know, I've always learned, you know, a single leg step up is basically, you know, uh, it's basically a one-legged squat. Sure. So you can work different patterns like that. And that, and all sport is, all whatever it may be, rugby, basketball, is all, like running is single leg bounding. So it's it's beneficial to train that single leg pattern, that single leg squat pattern as well. It could be, 
your rear foot elevated split squats, your Bulgarian split squats. Um, I said one point that I, I should have made earlier on when we talk about from the ground up instead of the top down, every exercise we've mentioned has been, you know, barbell back squat or front squat. Everything has been held in the upward position. You know, start from the bottom up, trap bar pull, any kind of deadlift, uh, sumo style deadlift or traditional clean pull. Uh, I do a lot of trap bar pulls with our guys. You know, the trap bar, the diamond shaped bar. Uh, we pull from the ground, and that's been beneficial. It's an easy teaching point, easy starting point. Uh, the cues uh, our guys understand, and the trap bar pull has been very beneficial for us, for my guys especially, you know, to start from the ground up. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was yeah. one, one point I wanted to make. And just a, a last quick point on the, on the modifications. You know, when we talk about ground up versus top down, you know, our modifications for, you know, ground up would be, you know, like I said, trap bar pulls or the heel elevations things like that, if we're working top down, you know, maybe we're going from, you know, height of the box squat and lowering it from there. So kind of addressing it from two different angles. And then, you know, the third is working, you know, single leg patterns, um, you know, as our modification. So those would be the three areas of modifications that we typically use. Right. Yeah, some, some great ways to, you know, slowly, slowly progress as, as they adapt to the exercises. There's some good take-home stuff for the listeners. Um, so this is kind of two two questions in one almost. So with with your longer limb guys, how do you how do you build explosiveness? Is it do they get? A, well, I assume. I mean, you mentioned single leg bounding, so they're going to get a lot of that in the you know just from competing and training. So how much time do you put in the gym, and how do you kind of balance what they're doing sure. in game and training with with your gym work? You know, there's there's different seasons for for our guys. Um, we take a four season approach with our basketball program, and Jake does the same thing. We're in our in season program right now. We actually have our first uh, game tonight uh, that really counts. We've had some exhibition games in the past couple of weeks, but we have opening night tonight. So our in season program lasts you know five five months. Um, we want to make sure our in season program is just as good as our off season program because, like I said, it's a five month deal. Um, and I always challenge our guys to understand that we're not a maintenance program. Uh, we want our guys to get stronger in season. We want our guys to, to improve in season. Um, the weight room is a use it or lose it environment, just like any kind of skill, just like basketball or rugby. It's a skill environment. So we want to keep getting better in season. Um, with that being said, when our, when our in season is over, we move to our postseason where we address sports medicine issues. We get ourselves ready for our, our really important off season. We have an extensive off season program, which is 12, 13 weeks. And then we roll that into our preseason program, which is geared towards you know, conditioning, getting the, the body ready, getting the engine ready, et cetera. Um, we do more conditioning, more testing, that type of thing. Um, but to answer your point, you know, our guys, in my opinion, I've always felt like our guys get enough of the jumping, bounding, um, you know, plyometric, explosive work playing basketball. And one thing that Jake is, is changing my mind on is that I need, I need to address that with my programming, whether it be, you know, complex training or, you know, French contrast, or whatever it may be. You know, it's a big buzzword I think people are talking about now. Um, Actually, uh, I'm going to throw a plug in here. Jeff Nichols, a uh, really good friend of ours, really good friend of our program. Uh, he sent me his French contrast program, which pretty much just blew my mind. So take a look at Jeff Nichols. Uh, he's out on Instagram as well. Really smart guy. Um, you know, helps us out a lot, you know, with his intelligence, some, some programming, some ideas. Uh, former you know, college strength coach, former college baseball player, uh, former uh, Navy SEAL development guy or development group. So, uh, really uh, high level, you know, operator, so to speak. But Jeff's just been really, really fantastic for our program. But anyway, getting back on track here, you know, I've, I've never, I've always felt like there's a fine line with our guys, you know, getting too tight or too loose. And what I mean by that is I want a rubber band effect. 
and I always try to explain to our guys is that if I want to shoot a rubber band across the room, I want that rubber band to be really tight so it's explosive and it flies across the room as far as possible. If I tend to overstretch our guys or overmove our guys, then we lose that uh, that tightness, so to speak, so we lose that explosive pop. And I've learned over time is that sometimes I do that, and I've got to back that off. And one thing I've noticed is that when we try to maybe do some some vertical jump testing in season to to you know try to assume if we're overtraining or if we're you know under recovery, whatever you want to call it, um, I want to make sure we're not overstretching our guys or over pushing our guys in that sense. So in season, there really is no you know jumping plyometric explosive work. That's reserved for the off-season. Um, but once again, I've got to do a better job of it, and Jake does a really good job of implementing that with his programming. Um, like I said, I know I just probably talked in a big circle right there and didn't answer your question, but Jake, have at it. Let's talk about explosive training. So I'm going to probably attack it from a little bit different way, but when you talk about some of his guys that are a little bit taller, like the 6'8 and above, you know, they're not always like the high-point guys when you look at their verticals. Um and not to say like they're not athletic, you know, they, they lack that a little bit, um, you know, in their, in their explosive work. But I think the important thing, too, is to address their force absorption, um, you know, as they might not be as comfortable in the air. Some of these taller centers and power forwards. Um, so it's like once they take take flight, you know, what what are their landing mechanics look like on single leg and double leg? So for me, you know, I have you know, tall volleyball girls too. So that's always a, um, an area of mine that I'm always looking for is, you know, I get it. I'm trying to improve their, their power and their uh, vertical and things like that. But if I'm doing that and I'm not addressing their force absorption on the way down, am I really helping them or am I kind of setting them up for failure? So obviously everyone's trying to chase, you know, that higher vert and more power, but I also like to keep their absorption on the, the forefront, you know, keeping these guys healthy and keeping my other athletes, um, you know, be able to repeat that over and over, right. even when they're tired. So that's that's kind of an important component for me. Um, even in season, you know, I'm I'm always going to address, you know, how are they landing, um, and are they are they comfortable with that even under fatigue? So um, yeah, that's the way I kind of there are, there are exercises that we are trying to do to try to accomplish that as well. You know, it could be we're using our Tendo units or our Gym Aware units um, to measure velocity, measure speed. We can attach that to our trap bars, our squats, our rack pulls. Um, our Sorenex racks are really effective in the sense we have our jammer arms attached to our Sorenex racks. So we can do, you know, jammer snatches, you know, um, jammer presses, et cetera, you know, dumbbell snatch. We can do some explosive quick lifts. I'm not a, a, a full-time Olympic, you know, guy with my, my program. Uh, we keep things uh, a little more basic than that, but I can't implement those in our program. We're not doing you know, traditional Olympic style, you know, cleans, jerk snatches, et cetera, with our guys. Um, but I can do some explosive type movements if you want to classify it as that, you know, with uh, you know kettlebell swings, uh, any kind of you know clean and jerk with a kettlebell or, or center mass bell, uh, jammer snatches, et cetera, you know, rack pulls, trap bar pulls, et cetera, and we can attach that to our our gym aware and make sure we're getting some velocity based movement out of that. And Jake's Jake's working on that program right now, actually, with his baseball program, who's in there offseason. Um, he's working on a, uh, a program right now that's tracking a lot of that with his baseball team. So in-season with basketball, no. Off-season, yes. Um, but once again, for me, keeping things simple, if we want to talk about, and this is you know maybe the, the laughable thing of your podcast here, you know, grab a jump rope. You know, If you want to talk about hand-eye coordination, foot speed, you know, small plyometric movements, uh, any kind of jumping ability, ankle mobility, Grab a $4 jump rope and just burn that thing up. And, and that's always been my old school way of trying to approach 
you know, a lot of plyometric training. And once again, that's me. I'm a little bit different. Uh, that's always worked for me, I believe. And uh, I'm going to keep doing that, but I've got to get better and I've got to expand and grow and mature. And, and that's what Jake's here to help me do with my our programming also. I think the, the last thing I'll add for the plyometrics and power development, some I've been playing around with more is um, sports specific, like joint angles. So, you know, maybe in season is not always the best time to develop, you know, certain movements, but looking at, you know, what is the most reoccurring joint angle that you see, whether it's landing or taking off. Um, so for me, I may not always do, you know, deep back squats, you know, with some of my athletes, you know, I'll start, you know, a box squat at a certain joint angle that I'm trying to achieve just because that's where I know they're going to live throughout the end season. I want to make sure that we're reinforcing that. Um, whether that, like I said, their takeoff or their landing, um, you know, if you look at each sport, you can kind of see where the reoccurring themes are in their body. So not to say we don't, um, you know, we avoid other ranges of motion. You know, if I, you know, if I'm doing a barbell back squat with some of my athletes and I'm looking at that specific joint angle, um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do a goblet squat for a warm up where they're getting that full range of motion. Right. So, um, but the meat and potatoes, I'll try to stick around, to, you know, to what's important. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you you've got a, a kind of wide variety of tools you can use, and you just you just yeah. pick the the right time to use the, that modality. In England, you call it meat potatoes, or is it bangers and mash? What is it? I don't know. Uh, bangers and mash should do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a pint, right? Yeah. Should be drinking um, it right now. So this is a question uh, we ask all the guests on the podcast, and we we usually yeah. relate it to rugby, obviously, but um, you know we can just sort of target it at all athletes and it's what do you think is the biggest mistake uh, athletes make when it comes to strength and conditioning i think we can both answer the same thing i think it's a recovery standpoint uh i think we do a pretty good job of trying to motivate our athletes trying to get our guys in the right position we talk about health safety wellness i think our programming is squared away i think it's just the the nature of the beast here in college is that we can't be with our athletes 24 hours a day and we shouldn't be it's a college setting they should have a social life and learn how to mature and grow and develop but for us, I think we can all agree, and we have this actual debate, and this is a debate that we can have with you or your, you know, your listeners can you know, give us some feedback. Uh, is nutrition the missing link? Is uh, sleep the missing link? Is hydration? Uh, we're always trying to push hydration tactics, you know, water on our guys. Uh, we're trying to you know, educate you know, what the recovery tools are with you know, how to set up your room for sleep, you know, proper nutrition. Uh, we have a consultation you know, with our dietitian here on campus that can help us with that. Uh, but I think the missing link in, in a nutshell is the recovery aspect. Um, I think that's something that, you know, Jake can expand on if he's got any other ideas. But I would say the recovery aspect, you know, sleeping, eating, hydrating. Yeah. Um, the other one I would add is, you know, I think the more athletes I see from different sports, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna come back to the, the foot and ankle, you know, as yeah. something that's commonly um, overlooked. Um, obviously the nutrition that's, sleep that's is great super point. important, but great point. as far as looking at other sports, you know, I think people take for granted, you know, I've always been taught, you know, that's the first point of contact in any movement in sport, um, for the majority of sports. Um, but I think it's underutilized and undertrained, um, whether that be mobility or strength, um, you know, and if that's your weakest link, you know, that's just going to lead right up the chain. And for me, um, you know, the, the health and safety of the athletes is number one priority. So if I can do that, you know, the more healthy players you have, the better chance you have at winning. So, um, 
you know, for me, it's it's addressing from from the first point of contact up. So um, I think people just tend to overlook that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And what what would you say would be kind of the the best bang for your buck approaches to you know to improve uh, foot and ankle mechanics or function? So just the age old saying: if it's if it's important, you find a way to do it every day. So whether it be in the the warm up. Um, or your super seven with some sort of mobility. Um, I try to I try to give my athletes as much, you know, ankle mobility drills as possible. Um, again, whether that's soft tissue, you know, everyone's a little bit different. Um, but I think just getting them to work on some dorsiflexion, um, some four-way band around the ankles, um, you know, and just giving them variety because what works for, you know, athlete A doesn't always work for athlete B. So. Um, I'm always asking, you know, how does this feel for you? Where do you feel this? You know, I have some athletes that, you know, kind of unlock that game of, of ankle work, which is great. So now we can go to, you know, reinforcing that structure, whereas other athletes need, you know, uh, you know, dramatic increase um, in ankle flexion. And then you got your athletes that have, you know, screws in their ankles, which, you know, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, how to work around yeah. that because that. You know, that causes a whole host of problems. So for me, um, just to wrap it up again, is, is to find a way to do it every day and, and find something every day that these, these athletes can learn about their that lower chain. So Yeah, definitely. And I think one of you mentioned it earlier also about kind of uh, like taping and strapping ankles. Is, is that a bit of an issue with, with basketball players? Well, that's, that's always a sports medicine issue with our athletic trainers. Um, our policy with our program is our guys are required to be either taped or braced before. Um, before it's not every practice. Not every practice is a competitive segment practice. Like for today, we have a shoot around practice before our game. Our guys are not required to be taped or, or braced before that. But for the most part, every practice we have, they are uh, in the weight room. They we, we always practice. We excuse, we always train before we practice. So I don't have an issue with guys coming in after practice trying to train. They're already taped up. Um, we're trying to do as much of our movement uh, without shoes on also. Um, for a safety issue, we try to do things with shoes on in the weight room. But if we have smaller groups and, and, and we can do it safely, we'll have our guys and girls train without shoes on. Um, that's something we've been, we've been a proponent of for a few years now. Um, but for the most part, our guys are going to be taped and braced you know, during the practice. But for our actual training sessions, they're not. Uh, and again, this is another question we, we ask all guests, and it'd be great to hear sort of both your opinions. Um, what advice would you give to an up-and-coming strength and conditioning coach? Go ahead, Jake. Take that one. Shoot, I'm still an up-and-coming. Yeah, up he's up-and-coming. <laughs> um, I, I would say here, here's what I've always tried to tell all my young folks that work for me or people that are out there. Like I said before, have a curious mind. Um, be humble. Um I say, I'm 43 years old. I've been doing this for a long time. I still feel like I don't have all the answers. I still feel like I want to learn. Um, it's one of the reasons I was excited to, to take on this challenge of doing a podcast with you and talk about a sport that I really uh, are not educated about. Um, have a curious mind. Ask questions. You know, get yourself out there. You know, read as much as you can and read reputable sources. I think there's a lot of things on the internet that that um, can can not be reputable. But you know, attend clinics. You know, sit in the front row, take notes, ask questions. You know, network. Um, just try to expand your library, you know, find good books that people are reading. Um, like I say, you know, visit, you know, go on, you know, field trips and go see people's weight rooms, talk shop, watch other people train. You know, like I said, be curious, you know, have an open mind, 
in the same sense, be humble. You know, you, know, you shouldn't have all the answers. If you do, uh, then you need to go find somewhere and sit in a room where you don't have all the answers and ask some questions. So if you're not the smartest guy in the room, then, then go find the people that are and ask those questions and, and always try to learn and grow and, and expand your horizon. So that's, that's always the advice I give to young folks that either want to ask me questions or work for me. Have a curious mind, ask questions, but be humble. Uh, we're in a servant-oriented type industry. You know, we're, we're here to lead and serve our student-athletes, our coaches, our administrators. So that's part of humility is that you know you have to understand you're here to serve other people. And uh, you can't put yourself in front of the team goal or the team mission or the coach's message. Um, you've got to make sure that you stay in your lane and keep your head down and work hard and, uh, and run a really good program. That's, that's in a nutshell what I want to talk about. Um, and just to piggyback, you know, be humble and be curious for me that that stands out because, you know, after every session, I'm always asking, you know, what could I have done better and what could have been what could have been done better for my athletes? Um, you know, my my program's not written in stone. Um, I'm making changes on a daily basis. Um, but that wasn't the way it was when I first started. You know, I thought. You know, I, read, I wrote these eight weeks out. I'm following it to the T. Um, and I was kind of force-feeding it to work. And that just didn't always work, especially when you start encountering injuries and things like that or setbacks um, or schedule changes in the college setting. So uh, for me, just being open um, and humble enough to realize, like, hey, what you had probably wasn't the best idea. Um, and then asking myself, how can I make it better? And then having a, having a good mentor. Um you know, that can walk you through those steps is super important. So just finding someone that you can trust to give you honest feedback. That's cool. Yeah, definitely, cool. Uh, you know, a big, great bit of advice to, you know, reflect on, on everything you do and see how you can improve it. Um, guys, I know I know you're busy. I know you've got a session coming up. Um, so last question is just, and you kind of touched on it, you said there's, you know, some good books out there and there, there might be some stuff on the internet that's not so good. So any, any books that you would recommend for strength conditioning coach I mean, both of us in, in your world i think the legacy book is is probably a top-notch read for and that's another name i think a lot of people in your world would know is ed cosner um yeah. ed works out of houston you know uh worked for san antonio spurs worked for the all blacks um you know ed's a an older gentleman but has a wealth of knowledge he still trains a lot of the young and up-and-coming kind of youth rugby players or, or uh, in, in america so ed cosner would be a good name out there for people to take a look at um, I told this to Jake and I told this to other people. I always try to keep a rotation of books going. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I try to, you know, be a, a great dad and a great husband. So if there's anything out there I can read that helps me, you know, become a, a better dad or a better husband, I'll do that. Uh, books on leadership. Uh, once again, we're, like, we're in a servant-oriented type industry. We want to lead our, our student-athletes. Uh, leadership books are great. And then also books that apply to our setting, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, any kind of books that apply to that. I mean, I've got I mean, just basically right now, in a nut, like if you're putting me on the spot, like gun to my head, I've got uh, The Power of Positive Leadership, John Gordon sitting on my desk. I've got Mind Gym right here sitting on my desk. And I've got Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers sitting on my desk. So there's three of them right there that are, once again, I'm not reading all, I'm trying to read all three at the same time, so to speak. But especially in season right now when we travel, I get to, I get to read a little bit more because we have, you know, downtime in the hotels, airports, et cetera. So I'll, I'll step up my reading game here in the next five or six months. So for mine, I would say the biggest, or the book that had the biggest impact on me was Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, uh, former Navy SEAL commander. Um, you know, that book changed my life and realized, you know, I, I'm in control of so much more. And, you know, I wish 
I wish my athletes. There's the cover. Somebody took my copy. <laughs> I have the, Jamie, I have the cover of it, but somebody took my copy, so I don't know where it is. <laughs> but yeah, if anyone hasn't, you know, read it, you know, I think listening to the, the audio book um, is just as awesome because it's those guys um, and narrating, narrating it. So um, that one, and then uh, uh, conscious coaching. I'm actually reading right now. Um, from Brett, Brett Bartholomew. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's always struck a chord with me, you know, the saying that athletes don't care how much you know until they see how much you care. Um, you know, I've seen that with a lot of my athletes. So, you know, they, re they really don't care, you know, all the ins and outs of the program. They just want to know what they're doing, you know, is going to help them and that you care about them. Um, and then from there, they'll do anything you ask. So, um, you know, I'm still learning that on a daily basis, but those are, you know, again, those two books don't really have much to do with, you know, or, you know, aren't uh, meet or what's a strength and conditioning based, but, um, you know, coaching and leadership, I think is, yep. is number one. For and me. I'll, I'll book in it with, you know, going back to coach John, any book that Dan John has out there and I've got, I'm looking at my bookshelf over here. There's four or five of them one night. Like for me, it's simple because it's simple training. There's a sense of humor behind it. Uh, there's obviously experience behind it, but you know, like I say, I'll I'll go to the ends of the earth, you know, with anything that Coach John puts out there. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. It's my, my, the training book I'm reading right now is triphasic training. Okay, yeah, Cal Dietz, triphasic yeah. training. Yeah, Jake's working on that right now. So yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, some great recommendations there, guys. Thank you. And I know I said that was going to be the last question, but just just out of interest, how is, how is your rugby program going at, at Xavier University? Do you do you see rugby's getting bigger and bigger over there? And we do have a club team. Uh, so we have our intramural athletics, you know, Division One, Big East Conference, and that's not part of that, but our, our school has club programs. And we have a rugby club program. Um, at one time when I had a former assistant a few years ago, she would actually do a little bit of work with them. Um, that sort of fell by the wayside when she left and went and took another job. But um, I really can't speak on it, to be honest with you. I don't know, Jamie. I don't know how, how you know. And in this area, um, Jake's from Cincinnati. Uh, he's been here, you know, pretty much his whole life. He can maybe give you an idea, but um, I know that in certain pockets around the United States, it's a little bit bigger. Um, I don't know about Cincinnati, though. I really can't speak on that, Jamie. The only rugby I follow, uh, I played with a guy at Ashland. His name's Carlin Isles. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's this guy in rugby. Uh, we actually lived together my freshman year, um, but it's cool to, you know, I think he's done a a good job of you know, getting rugby out there a little bit, you know, with, with our friends and teammates and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, so from that standpoint, you know, I think it's, it's growing, you know, I see more and more of it. Um, I think, I think we're both fascinated by the fact and we talk about it. And then once again, I love watching sport. I'll watch anything that comes on, but to come from our background of playing American football and we have all the pads and the gears and the kits on, and then your guys are doing the same thing. Uh, with no helmets, you know, no pads, etc. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's insane, and I love it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's just a warrior mentality, which is, I mean, to have the toughness that those guys have. Uh, like I said, I would hope that that toughness relates to the weight room, and I hope they would be weight room animals and just get after it in the weight room as well. But like I said, it's to me, it's it's mind blowing how aggressive you can be and not have any protection whatsoever. But also that goes back to the fact of, you know, teaching technique, and it's something I think American football can learn from is that the principles of, of rugby or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, the techniques of tackling or hitting or, you know, can, can, can help you know, almost save American football with all the concussions and all the studies that go out there. And that's a whole other, you know, tangent we can go on and talk about, you know, 
traumatic brain injury and concussions and, and the relationship of that with, you know, contact sports. But I think uh, I, I love it. I think it's phenomenal to have that kind of attitude, that mentality. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's, it's wild. <laughs> Guys, uh, appreciate you. You're busy. You've got a session coming up. But uh, thank you both uh, so much for your time. Uh, great to talk to you. And I think like our, our longer-limbed athletes, especially our second rows, will, will get a lot from that about how to kind of modify their training and, and progress. So uh, thank you very much. And good luck for the game tonight as well. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thanks for having us. We enjoyed it. Good luck, everybody. Excellent. So another great podcast. I'm sure if you're a second row or you're working with long limb athletes, you'll take a lot from that. On a side note, um, after recording, uh, Jake also added that um, from a medium triphasic training from Cal Dietz, that obviously um, eccentric training is really good for you know building control of long limb athletes. So that might be something you want to include, putting in similar to um, Christian Thibodeau, obviously mentioned the importance of eccentric training in the podcast the other week. Uh, so definitely uh, consider that as well. Uh, thanks guys both Matt and Jake great to talk to you both and, and get your insights in a training with longer limbed athletes um, and wish you all the best uh, for the season uh, in the meantime guys please subscribe to us on SoundCloud uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn whatever you use for podcasting please uh, give us a 5 star review and uh, keep checking us out at rugbyrenegade.com uh, and on our social media uh, and we look forward to hearing from you and there is more podcasts to come Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.